Welcome one, welcome all, and good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you're listening. Thank you for joining us. My name is Caleb Walgren, the founder and host of Brody Sports Talk. It's season five, episode 26. And of course, I am not here by myself. I am joined by uh, someone who happens to be uh, Derek. Did did you get the uh, the goalposts out of the lake and put them up in your office? Uh, I lo- those look like the the goalposts from the Oklahoma State game. Uh, Captain Orange himself is here on the podcast. Derek Rustin. Why are you putting me on blast? I've got. Yeah, they're okay. They don't fit in my office. They have to go through the window. I understand, but for the rest of natural born history, the Oklahoma State Cowboys are bedlam champions. And uh, as Mike Gundy, who was quoting Jimmy Johnson, said it best, "How about them Cowboys?" Absolutely. Uh, congrats to Derek on a big bedlam win this past week. Uh, it's definitely one of his highlights of Brody Betts, which we will get to way later in the episode. But first things first, let's go ahead and jump into Brody Spotlights. Uh, Derek, we are a football podcast first and foremost. Why don't I let you uh, do the first honors with your uh, Brody Spotlight this evening? Okay, so uh, we are most of the way through a, a decent season. And, you know, the uh, Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year contest uh, are are out there. And, you know, you're kind of tracking along. So I took a look at some of the, uh, the first, like, ten picks, uh, first nine picks in the draft, and then a couple of uh, later in the first round, but also kind of, bunch together types um and we'll talk about that here in just a second so just looking you know the the one two bryce young first overall pick number two cj stroud number two overall pick bryce went to the panthers cj went to the texans it's looking like that uh cj stroud went into a better uh a better place a better uh, situation. Um, right now he's sitting at about 1800 yards, a nine to one touchdown to interception ratio, um, has just been blowing it out of the park this year, uh, doing an amazing job. Uh, Bryce Young, on the other hand, uh, has had his struggles. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that it's a coaching issue, um, uh, but he's sitting around 13, uh, almost 1400 yards with, uh, eight touchdowns to seven interceptions. Uh, so, you know, everyone is always going to look back and say, okay, well, these two guys are tied together forever. And so when it comes down to offensive rookie of the year, they're going to be tied, uh, with them as well. Now, someone who would be up there and, and tied to those guys would be Anthony Richardson. Uh, but unfortunately he, uh, he got hurt and he is out for the rest of the season. So the fourth overall pick just, uh, didn't, uh, didn't work out. But what we, if we look at the third and the fifth, uh, so the third pick was Will Anderson, and the fifth pick was Devin Witherspoon. Uh, Will Anderson, under the radar, uh, he, you know, he might be the third overall pick, but he has come in and really put his stamp on his position. He's at 27 tackles, three tackles for a loss, and a sack this year. And then Devin Weatherspoon, who plays in the secondary, has had 33 tackles, eight passes defended, two sacks himself, an interception, and that interception was a, a pick six. 
So a uh, you know on the defensive side, those top uh, top three and five guys are looking pretty good. Uh, and we, we move down just a little bit, looking at Bijan Robinson for the Falcons. He's at 466 yards, uh, rushing yards, 655 total, had a three touchdowns. Uh, and then Jameer Gibbs, who was a 12th pick, um, has had 399 yards and two touchdowns. It's it's been really weird with the the Falcons um, that Bijan hasn't played as much as as you would think. There's Algier is there, and you know he might be a little bit uh, more in that offense. Uh, but it's it's weird what what Arthur Smith is doing with him. I think that uh, over the next couple of years we're going to see B, Bijan Robinson uh, really step into his own and, and be that that back that we we know he is. Uh, I just think his rookie year they may be holding something back on him. And then the other guy I wanted to spotlight was Jalen Carter for the Eagles, the uh, the Georgia Eagles, as you might call them, because the Eagles just draft everybody out of UGA. And so he's at 14 tackles, five tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, uh, just been a wrecking machine, uh, come in as a rookie and just uh, taken over things. Uh, so those are the, like the top nine picks, uh, you know, with with uh, the twelfth pick in there as well. But the guys that I think uh, have kind of blown my mind that I haven't really thought about was later on in the draft with pick 20, 22, 23, 24, and twenty six. Those are all pass catchers. So twenty was Jackson Smith and Jigba for the Seahawks. Twenty two was Quentin Johnson for the Chargers. Uh, 23 was Zay Flowers with the Ravens. Uh, 24 was Jordan Addison uh, for the Vikings. And then 26 was Dalton Kincaid for the Bills. Uh, so I did not realize that Jordan Addison was a rookie. I, uh, you know, watching uh, Vikings game this year, I thought he was a second year player. Um, I, I, I guess I just kind of blocked it out of my mind because he is doing some amazing things when uh, Justin Jefferson went down, like completely uh, was not expecting him Uh, right now. He's like 482 yards, seven touchdowns, Uh, just a, uh, just really putting himself out there in the, uh, as as a guy who can step up with uh, Jordan Jefferson, Justin Jefferson uh, being hurt. And, and a surprise to me is Zay Flowers. So Zay went to the Baltimore Ravens, and um, they're a running team, you know, for the most part. But Lamar Jackson came out and said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be throwing the ball a lot more this year." That uh, new def- I mean, new offensive coordinator uh, came in, and uh, so right now Zay Flowers is at about 472 yards and a touchdown. A lot more than I was expecting uh, of him. So, uh, you know, we're seeing the next, I would say the next wave of really good receivers in this uh, 2023 draft. And I just wanted to put a spotlight on some of those younger players that uh, I think are going to be household names over the next couple of years. I think that you're absolutely right, Derek. It's been a very interesting season. Um, I think that, You've got a, a just also you you brought up a ton of great players, so I don't want to necessarily be like you miss someone or hear someone else. 
Uh, but I will bring up Brian Brissy, uh, the defensive tackle that the Saints took late in that first round. When they took him, I was kind of like, I'm not that familiar with this guy. He's from Clemson. But I do feel like he's had a, a really nice impact on a defense that's pretty good and uh, currently has their team in first place in the NFC South. And I know we'll be mm-hmm. talking a little bit more about the Saints later. That is a teaser, my friends. <laughs> Derek. Uh yeah. We are in the middle of the NFL season, correct? That is correct. So uh, we also talked recently about basketball beginning. And of course, that means that uh, we have actually had the tip off of the 2023 NBA in-season tournament. Um, We talked about it a little bit during the off-season of football season that this was announced that the games are going to be taking place between Tuesdays and Fridays, and we're kind of just waiting for some of these games to really get in there and happen. Of course, as we're recording today, it is the 7th. We'll release it on the 8th. That's how we normally do it. It's election day, so there's no games tonight, which means that we have to wait another Friday for them to have more in-season tournament games. Now, Derek... One thing that I was completely surprised about and uh, had to kind of be taken aback by when I was seeing the images come out on the past Friday is uh, the court designs that they have put out for this NBA in-season tournament. I think that in general, the players, like I said, it's more of a European type soccer thing. I don't think that it's getting enough clarity as to what it actually is can do like yes you may win a little bit more money and you could get some bragging rights and i mean it is a chance to to start something um whoever wins the in-season tournament this year will be the only team to have ever won the nba in-season tournament and uh we are talking about them in the middle of the football season because of it so the nba is doing something correct here um i the courts are throwing me back a little bit though uh there's have you seen any of these derek Uh, I've Um, seen most of them, yes. Okay, so they've got the big uh, NBA Cup trophy in center court with usually some sort of team logo or alternate logo on top of it. And then uh, you also have the NBA Cup down by the free throw line in the paint. Uh, Random, I guess they're calling it a runway from one paint all the way across the floor to the other, which to me just looks like a big stripe. Uh, That's what I would call it. But uh, sure, it's a runway, NBA. You do you. I think that they need... I want more buy-in. I I haven't heard anyone in the NBA saying that they want this, that they are hoping to win this title. Like It just kind of seems like it is something that exists. Uh, The love hasn't gotten there yet. And... And it just feels a little bit awkward at this time. I will say, uh, Derek, if you have not seen the Pelicans court floor for the NBA in season tournament, it might be the worst court floor I've ever seen. I think that it is, it is really disgusting. Um, It's got the, mostly purple with a green runway. Uh, If you were to think of 
the Pelicans as like a Mardi Gras type team, which isn't even in their normal colors. Yeah, it's it's bright oh, no. and ugly. Mm-hmm. Did you just pull it up? Do you you're taking a yeah, look? Yeah, it's it's yeah no. It is not it. Um, <laughs> I I apologize to any Pelicans fans who have to watch their team play on that. Um, some of the things that they have at center court are fun. Some of them I'm not sure I fully get. Um, Indies feels a little weird because it just literally says indie and they're they have a much brighter blue than I've ever seen Indianapolis wear on any of their uniforms. And the Clippers court literally says clips. I I've never heard anyone other than fans refer to the Clippers as the clips. Uh, they are not a team of haircuts. They are named after Clipper ships. But uh, some of them were cool. Some of them are interesting. If anything, NBA, just give a little bit more clarity, please, because you need someone to back this. Um, Maybe you need to get like a famous artist to start dating one of the players and only showing up at NBA (laughs) tournament games. Um you know, take a page out of Travis Kelsey's playbook. I'm just saying uh, it, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. I don't know who that artist would remotely be, uh, but you do you, NBA. Uh, any thoughts on that, Derek, before we switch over to uh, the take from the wide world of sports? Yeah, I what what I think the issue with, with this these courts is they're just too far off from the regular court. Like you go to an NBA game, you're seeing like the brown hardwood, you're seeing some logos, you know, all that kind of stuff. But this is just like completely colored. And yeah, as much as I like the Smurf turf of Boise State. Um, you know, I, I want to, I'm not going to go to their games every single week. I want to see green grass. I want to see, um, you know, the normal white lines, uh, on a field. And so, yeah, I, I think this is just a little bit too much for me. And I think that it, uh, I, I, I definitely think there needs to be buy-in. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right about that. So uh, the next thing, going to the wide world of sports, uh, Derek and I were one of several people that were surprised last year when uh, LSU did find a way to cut down the nets and win the Women's National Championship for basketball. And uh, they came out, and uh, college basketball is also having their season opener. So many sports going on right now, Derek. It is such a fun time. Uh, yeah, the LSU Tigers lost against the Colorado Buffaloes, not Deion Sanders team. No, the Colorado Buffaloes and who just took care of business, uh, winning 92 to 78 in the season opener. I was pretty surprised because especially when we've talked before about women's basketball, Derek, we're kind of even at the end of last year, we were saying, huh, there's a little bit more parody. It's not just UConn. It's not just Iowa. It's not just Caitlin Clark. And then what happens? Uh, we're introduced to, and maybe we should have known her before, uh, Frida Foreman, the senior guard from Denmark, whose 
5'11", and goes out and has 27 points, five assists, five rebounds, a couple of steals, and just plays a great game, including going 7 of 11 from three to really kind of pace the Buffaloes in this upset. Uh, Derek, uh, any thoughts, any surprises that you had uh, with opening day in women's basketball or men's basketball that you want to touch on or uh, just want to jump on? uh, Like, I don't like the Buffaloes. I don't like talking about them upsetting LSU to start the season. But kudos to them for doing it. I have a spicy take. So everyone get your sour cream and because uh, because I'm, I'm about to I'm really glad that Colorado beat LSU uh, the first game of the season. I am not a fan of schools that go out here and buy their coaches uh, from the highest bidder. So LSU is the biggest uh, school that does this. They they constantly go out and they buy their coaches. So Kim uh, Markey uh, came from uh, Mulkey. She came from Baylor. Won national championships there. Doesn't I mean LSU? You're not going to be able to uh, to recruit better than you can at Baylor. Um, you you have the you have the championship right there. They went and got um, what's the football coach's name? Brian Brian Kelly, who Kelly was previously, from, of course, at Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, and then I also have a little bit of a uh, negative connotation because they did it with Les Miles when he was the head football coach at Oklahoma State. Uh, they went out and they bought Les Miles from Oklahoma State, took him to LSU. Now. Uh, Les Miles did some good things down at LSU. Good on him for that. But um, there are some schools that think they are better than they actually are, and they go out and buy the best coaches um, because, for whatever reason, they have that kind of money. Um, you know that, uh, that 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 school over there on the West Coast where. Uh, their defensive coordinator, coordinator just got fired. Um, they do that a lot. Um, also, LSU does it a lot. So um, this just so shows the parity that is in, in um, women's college basketball. That uh, I mean, yeah, LSU probably did some sleepwalking in that game and 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 you know didn't take them seriously and and got caught for it. But you know. I think it's good that uh, that we're seeing a leveling of the playing field. I think it's, it's probably the best way to put it. I will say that we do need to at least bring up the fact that talking about hiring in head coaches that are well-known, uh, we've got to talk about Jay Johnson. You know, LSU did win the College World Series last year with a coach in his second year who they bought out from Arizona. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say Jay Johnson's not good or that people who play well don't deserve raises. But when you take someone who literally had their team in the College World Series and had won the Pac-12 the year before that and bring them in. Yeah, things can change in a hurry. It's messy, though. Like, uh, I, th- I think the word that we are both thinking about, and it might be because we usually, we both root for schools that 
are a little bit more David than Goliath per se. Uh, you know, when we're talking about the small Nebraska and Oklahoma state, which I feel weird. So calling Nebraska a small school, but comparatively to some of these other ones, they are uh, like, we want someone who like Matt rule is going to come in and be there for a long time. Hopefully like we wanted Scott Frost to be able to build a long tenured career and we gave him every opportunity and it just didn't work out. Like you love the fact that you've had Gundy for a couple of decades now. Like, yeah. He's a legendary coach at the program. Uh, it's not like he left to take a job down in Southern California or anything like that. Uh, Cause he wouldn't do that. So uh Slight salt uh, after uh-huh. Bedlam week, but uh, uh-huh. that's okay. Uh, Derek, before I uh, get more people to turn off the podcast by being salty, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your goat of the week? Yeah, so this is a goat that is going to get blamed for everything that happens and every loss that they take. Um, I'm going back to the well and going with Zach Wilson. Um so Zach Wilson, quarterback of the New York football Jets, um, did not have a good showing this last week, um, lost two fumbles, and just wasn't, didn't, uh, didn't have a good pers- completion percentage. He, he, he tried, went 33 for 49 for 263. Like, that would be a good, uh, a good stat line for most people, but... Um, they didn't score a touchdown. They scored two field goals, a whole six points versus the Chargers, which the Chargers, they're, they're completely up and down and, um, you know, get hurt all the time. I think that the, I, I know that the Jets created an offense for Aaron Rodgers the entire offseason. Hey, this is who we're going to have. This is what we're going to run, all that kind of stuff. It has been long enough now that you have to know how to run your offense now. And it is not fair to Zach Wilson for him to be tossed under the bus every single week um, because the rest of the offense doesn't work. He got sacked eight times in that game. Lost 57 yards in sacks because he has to hold on to the ball way too long. Also, his offensive line is, uh, isn't blocking well for him. Khalil Mack just went off. Um, they have a really good running back in Brees Hall. He carried the ball 16 times, had 50 yards. They have to they have to get to a point of let's run the ball, let's win with defense, let's stop the other team, uh, let's you know make this game as short as possible. They have to change the offense for what they have on the bench, not what could come in four weeks, what could come the last couple games of the season. You are in a winnable division, you are in uh, a spot where you could get a playoff game. And it seems to me that they are just tossing Zach into a offense versus building an offense for Zach Wilson. And they're going to suffer the rest of the year if they don't 
change something, either change a quarterback, change an offense, or change an offensive coordinator. Uh, Derek, I don't know if that offensive coordinator knows how to change an offense. He doesn't. Uh, he certainly, I know that uh, he used to be a head coach someplace. I don't remember where it was at. But, uh, yeah, just uh, doesn't know his uh, knees from his elbows. Uh, let's just say he was a head coach for not quite a full season. Not quite, nope. So, uh, first off, uh, my honorary mention, go to the week, uh, is Dare Ongumbawale. Yes. For, uh, kicking a field goal. Uh, first running back to kick a field goal in an NFL game since 1979. Super cool, super awesome. Um, he's a player that's kind of bounced around the league for a while, and I'm happy that he's on this contract with the Texans. And very cool, very cool for him to do it, for him to have that experience. Uh, apparently, he was a four sport athlete in high school. I was just double checking football, soccer, basketball, and track. And Derek, I don't know if you know this. Uh, his sister, Arike, mm-hmm. uh, plays for the Dallas Wings. Yeah. Multiple-time All-Star. Uh, awesome athletic family. Can't can't get enough of them. And I'm just excited to see what he'll do next. But, of course, I'm going to make my true go to the week go to C.J. Stroud as he had an amazing game. Just, just so absurdly amazing as he went out and put up 470 passing yards, which is an NFL rookie record, and five touchdowns and no picks. Um, typically, when I was thinking of games this year, Derek, I was, and when I was thinking of the Bucks, I was like, the way the Bucks are going to win games is because they are going to shut people down with their defense and that they are going to do enough with their offense with Baker Mayfield. Uh, Baker Mayfield's look pretty good to be honest, but it is one of those things where uh, you cannot give up 39 points to the Houston Texans, uh, especially when their kicker is hurt. They're not getting field goals. They're having to go for touchdowns and uh they they got deep touchdowns. They got short touchdowns. He and Tank Dell had a, a great day as Tank Dell had two receiving touchdowns as well. Uh, great rookie-to-rookie moments there. But C.J. Stroud, kind of like you mentioned in the first round or so far, he looks like he might be the steal of this draft. Um, I was reading an article earlier this week that said C.J. Stroud is the blow-away, run, the runaway lead for NFL offensive rookie of the year. If, if there was a, anyone getting it right now, there would be no debate, Derek. I mean, the Texans are four and four having one of their best seasons in a long time. And he, he's earned it. He has earned it. And I just am excited to see how well he does and how well he's doing. Uh, any other thoughts or comments about CJ Stroud before we go over and uh, check on some stocks, Derek. Yeah, so uh, Ohio State quarterbacks don't do very well in the in the NFL. Um, we haven't seen them recently. 
Um, they have not been good quarterbacks. There has been some good players, um, but they have not been uh, good quarterbacks. Um, C.J. Stroud is the one that kind of breaks that. Um, I was expecting more out of Justin Fields. Justin Fields, great. Um, he just is on a bad team that can't utilize his talent. Um, C.J. Stroud is better than Justin Fields right now. Um, you know, throwing the ball, making his progressions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm going to give it up to C.J. Stroud, and uh, he is certainly goat-worthy this week. Fantastic. Well, now it is time for us to go into the stock watch where we go into teams that we're buying, teams that we're selling, and teams that we are just really kind of intrigued by as we are moving further and further into this NFL season. And Derek, I want to go ahead and uh, quickly get something sold. Uh, do you mind if I go first on this one? Please go ahead and get your money. Sell something. So I got to go ahead and sell this because I just don't understand this, but there are too many NFL teams that have quarterback depth issues. So uh, yesterday, uh, Carson Wentz got signed by the Los Angeles Rams. Clearly, he's a former first-round pick, second overall. He's been there. He's been around the league a little bit. I don't think that he's terribly well-trusted by a lot of teams. But I'm not really sure how he hasn't gotten picked up somewhere before when we have players like Tommy DeVito and Tyson Bagent and... Like all of these unknown players, Brett Rippin, uh, who I know Broncos legend Brett Rippin. So uh, players that have started games all over the league, you know, I, I don't understand why the NFL is not at least paying more for quarterbacks. Did you not see what happened last year to the 49ers in the postseason? when they literally ran out of quarterbacks to be able to use. Well, why don't you have anyone good? Where is your depth? The, the depth issue should not be issues. You should have quarterbacks that tr you trust and know your playbook time and time again. Josh Dobbs should not get shipped around from Cleveland to Arizona to Minnesota because people don't have quarterbacks. Why was Jaron Hall the backup to Kirk Cousins? Because his contract was cheap. It wasn't because they trusted him, because they traded for Dobbs. You know, where's Colt McCoy at? He got cut right at the cut deadline earlier this year. No one took a chance on him. I just, it confounds me, Derek, that we're sitting at this point and going, wait, these are quarterbacks? Like, I shouldn't have to look down and be confused by players that are on a depth chart because it doesn't make any sense. Am I wrong, Derek? I just, I'm, I'm selling the fact that these depth issues are actually issues because teams should be just taking care of that position better. Do you know who uh, has now become a backup quarterback in the great state of California for the LA Rams as of well, today? Well, that's what I was saying. Wentz, like he should have been around a long time ago. Yeah. He's at least quality enough to be a top 64 quarterback. I'm yeah. not going to sit here and say he's top 10. I'm not even going to say he's top 20. 
but he he has the ability to hand the ball off and to throw some passes. So I just don't understand it. Like he should have been on a roster all summer. Yeah. And he's finally landing a spot now. Like, even if I, you wanted to say, like, I don't know that Cam Newton is an NFL starter anymore, but Cam Newton knows enough to be able to run an offense. Yeah. Like, why don't you have him as your emergency quarterback? He might look better than Brian Hoyer did. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't quite understand how because that it is such a violent game nowadays and yeah, you can protect your quarterback as much as you want. Um but like the the, the rules can be there, but it really doesn't matter uh, on a clearly legal play, you can destroy your arm and then you can get a concussion. Um and in a legal play, like Tua had like five concussions and none of them were blatantly bad. Um, so you are, you are one bad hit away from having your entire offense shut down. I mean, we're seeing what happens when you build an entire offense around a guy and his, and your backup quarterback can't make it work. We just talked about Zach Wilson a minute ago. Like, okay, well, Zach's going to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for a year, and he's going to learn. Okay, well, what do you have behind Zach Wilson? Like, (laughs) there's there's a lot of guys out there that have NFL experience, and a lot of guys out there that um, should be on rosters, and... Um, you're not out there. I mean, Chase Daniel isn't in the league anymore. He's doing uh, doing NFL uh, stuff and, and YouTube stuff. But he was one of the best backup quarterbacks there was because he could come in and he could finish a game for you. He could win you a game when, you know, if you, if you needed a touchdown, he could keep a game uh, going. With an, I mean, he he could run anything that you needed him to run, and he, that guy, you know, is the business of football champion of the world. Like, I don't understand why you are not spending some money on the backup quarterback position, and I think it's going to change in the next two years. Like, we have so many backup quarterbacks out there right now, and we have so many really good teams that have backup quarterbacks right now that are suffering. Indeed. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. And I just I had to get it out here. I I was holding it in and especially after we talked about Zach Wilson, I was like, let me let me get that this out. So uh Derek, do you want to sell or you want to buy first? What what I'm gonna sell. Okay. Uh, so I so I brought up Tua just a minute ago and his, his concussion issues last year. Um, but I am selling the Miami Dolphins on a deep playoff run. Now uh, are the Dolphins going to make the playoffs? I'm going to say 80% sure they are going to make the playoffs. They'll probably win the East, which means they'll probably get a home game. That's the only way they're going to win a playoff game. Right now, they're 0-3 versus teams with winning records. And they don't look good in games against teams with winning records. They just had a game in Frankfurt, Germany versus the Chiefs. 
And everyone goes, you, you can look at that score and see 21-14. Oh, well, that game, um, you know, it must have it must have come down to a last-minute Patrick Mahomes uh, touchdown score. You know, something like that. You know, drives down at the end of the game, as Mahomes is known to do. And no, honestly, both offenses just uh, played 14 points. Good job. The 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 difference in the game was a defensive touchdown. So there are a lot of times you go back and look at, at a season. It's like, man, if the ball bounced this way to us, uh, we would, you know, we, we would be a lot better. Last year, that was the Minnesota Vikings. They won most of their one-score games. Most of the time, the one-score games bounced to them. This year, they they don't have that luck. The ball is bouncing away from them on those one-score games, and so they've lost a lot more. The Miami Dolphins are not playing as well versus those winning teams, and they can't seem to make the adjustments after halftime. So I can understand. You come out, your offense isn't clicking, you're not able to get things going, you should be able to go into the locker room at halftime, figure something out, manufacture a drive, manufacture points, you know, seven to ten points after halftime. You to, to this is what they're doing, this is what we can exploit by that. And they don't. I don't know if they are just arrogant. We're going to run our offense and we're going to win the game that way, or they just don't have the players to get them over that hump. So for me, I think the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs, but I am selling their chances to have a Super Bowl run or have a run where we see them in the AFC Championship game. I would be completely surprised if they got anywhere close to the AFC Championship game. I I think that you're right, Derek. And in general, um, I know that I'm going to start buying into the playoffs in the AFC here in a moment, so I'll... I'll wrap yeah. up with Miami here, but currently, and this feels weird to say because they were pretty much just in a game for first place in the conference, but they are the lowest ranked seed in the AFC of the division winners. The AFC is so close up there at the top right now. If the season ended today, because of some head-to-heads, they would be hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, which we all know with the pass rush that they have. We've talked about it here before. Uh, Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt, they're going to put pressure on Tua. It would it would be an ugly game, but anything can happen. Could they win that one? Sure. But then who are you going to have them play? The Jags, Ravens, or Chiefs? No. Uh, we're not giving Miami one of those on the road. Um, the playoff odds for Miami are actually at 84.5%, according to uh, the DVOA, which you know is one of my favorite stats. Mm-hmm. So when you said around 80%, yeah, 84.5%. You, your, your math is uh, spitballing is almost as good as their their real math, Derek. So yeah. um, I, I don't know if you can call it... Uh, the D-E-R-E-K and see if you can uh, put out, be like, I give this team an 80% chance of making the playoffs. And uh, 
maybe make some money on the website. Uh, we would promote it here at Brody Sports Talk, of course, and uh, see exactly what we get. But Miami is, I feel like they're a regular season team. And uh, that in of itself might be its own spicy take. Uh, Derek, I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and buy now that I'm here. Uh, yeah, go ahead and buy. If you need to, if you need to respond to my spice, I'll let you do that in a minute. But um, I'm saying the AFC North is going to go ahead and get three teams into the playoffs. Now you could be looking at me and going, Caleb, that that doesn't sound like it makes a whole ton of sense. That's fair. Um, normally, teams within a division beat up each other, and it makes it hard for them to advance too far into the playoffs together. The AFC North is doing something that I don't know that I've normally seen where right now the Ravens are seven and two and the Steelers are five and three. The Browns are five and three and the Bengals are five and three. Oddly enough, Derek, if the postseason started today, all four of them would make the playoffs because they are ahead of the Buffalo Bills at five and four, who would be on the outside looking in. Are there teams at four and four that I also potentially like? The Texans are there. They're all right. Uh, the Chargers are winning a couple of games. Uh, the Jets, uh, we've already talked about Zach Wilson and backup quarterbacks. Clearly, the Jets have some work they need to figure out. Their defense can be good. They've won some good team against some good teams, but uh, they're, they're still the Jets. Um, like, I don't know that I'd take the Texans Chargers over anyone in the AFC North. Would I say that the Bills could get in over them? Yes, because they play the Jets and the Patriots more, uh, except for their record against those two teams currently is 0-2. So I, I just like what I see. The AFC North, they play pretty good defense. The Ravens are destroying NFC contenders at home. What they've done to the Lions and Seahawks in back-to-back home games is ridiculous. And I just think the way that they're playing, I would rather stick with the teams in the AFC North than go outside of them to other divisions. I, you know I'm not taking the AFC South. The AFC West, yes, there's the Chargers and Raiders, but I don't know that I can truly buy into them. Yes, the Chargers have a two-game winning streak, but that's against the Bears and the Jets. Hmm. You're not getting me hyped about that. Um, so, I, am I right? Am I wrong? What do you think happens with this AFC North? Because I'm saying someone probably falls apart, but who? And I don't know. I don't I just don't just don't see it yet. Yeah. So you're right. Uh, you can you can buy this all day and twice on Sundays uh, as. I think I think you're right. They do get three teams into the playoffs. I think it's going to be the Steelers. I think it's going to be the Ravens. I think it's going to be the Bengals. Um, I, I mean, I think they, I think the Browns, who, who have a good defense, I think they fall apart. I don't think that they are there um, for. I, I, I've seen too much of. Uh, lower class teams and, and lower tier teams, should I say, lower tier teams come in there and exploit the defense a little bit and, and put up some points. So I don't believe in the Browns 
Um, I don't believe in the Steelers per se, but I think the Steelers definitely, uh, they know they have a, a coach that I think that knows how to win. So I, I do think they, I mean, the Ravens are the quietest team in the, the NFL that is right up there with the Chiefs, right up there with the Eagles, because they're, they're a, what, a one-loss team? Uh, I think it's seven and one. Two lost team. Seven two and two. Team. They have not okay. yet had their buy. Oh, okay. Um, Lamar Jackson is a legit MVP candidate. And like they're they're just not getting the love right now. I don't know what it is. Uh they have a super late buy this year. But uh yeah. Uh they they get to host the Browns and Bengals in back to back games. And so we'll find out if they uh stay quiet, if they can potentially get to nine and two. Yeah, so I, I really do think that that you're correct on that. And I want to sw- swap over. And while we're talking about the North, uh, my buy is that the Cincinnati Bengals have a next gear that they can turn on. Uh, so we've we've talked about, or, or or media talks about how the Kansas City Chiefs have a a gear that they can just when it gets toward the end of the season they can turn it on, they can run off you know five or six straight, put themselves into the best position to get the one seed, get a two seed, whatever, uh, whatever it is. Uh, I didn't think the Bengals had. I thought the Bengals had a lost season um, with. Uh, Burrow being a little bit banged up, not having his full range. Um, you know, I've said that it would when, when the at the start of the season that they need to to bench Burrow for a week or two. Um, you know, allow those losses to be there, and uh, they lost those games that we were talking about. Anyways, they were, they they were going up against the Ravens. They lost that game. Um, they beat the Rams 19-16, and they lost to the Titans 27-3. So um, in their first four games, they had three losses, um, and Burrow didn't look good. Well, all of a sudden, after the, the Titans game, um, they run off four straight. Cardinals, Seahawks, Niners, Bills. Now, Cardinals, that's a, that's a pretty easy win. You have a Josh Dobbs-led team, and we all know that Josh Dobbs doesn't know how to win games. Or does he? Um, Seahawks are a good team this year. Niners uh, are a really good team. They, they got some things to figure out now, but um, you know that's in. That was at San Francisco. And then they had the Bills um, this last week. Easy, uh, easy game for them, 24-18. Um, on the rest of their schedule, it's not real easy, but I think they're going to be the better team going into it. So the Texans, you know, of course you have the Ravens um, in there, uh, Steelers because of the the North. Jaguars are on the schedule. Vikings are on the schedule. Uh, and then the Chiefs toward the end of the year. So it's not going to be an easy, uh, easy way for them to go. But I also think that, the Bengals need a hard road. I think they need to play up to their competition. And I think that that's what uh, the Bengals are going to have. I think they finally walk in. Okay. We have to really get up for these games. We really have to, we have to be the better team. And so for me, after 
several, several years of the Bengals being not great and uh, being the bottom of the AFC North and not knowing how to win, I think the Bengals actually have that next gear to get them, okay, we're just going to run off seven straight uh, or something like that and get into the playoffs, get into a really good spot, uh, much like some of the other teams have recently. Just as long as they don't run off seven straight the way Miami has done in the past, where they uh-huh. they they lose seven and win seven in a row. That's not that's not the seven straight Derek is talking about. I I, I believe you though, Derek. It's one of those things where currently the Bengals are oddly last in their division, and you look at it and you go, uh, "Okay, but they're the Bengals. They're the team that has done the best in the postseason, getting to." the most recent Super Bowl of those teams and just seems like they would be arguably the postseason threat that you might be referring to that you don't think the Dolphins are like the Bengals have a good offense. They have a solid defense. They can go toe to toe with anyone. And that's part of what makes you look at their schedule and say, Hey, Burrow's healthy. This is not the one in three team that they were let's see if they can go off. They've already rattled off four wins. How many wins will they rattle off? What are the Bengals going to do? They're hitting that gear. They're hitting their stride. How much are they going to just go ahead and put the the pedal to the metal and try to go chase down this division? Because even though it's a mess, anyone can go get first in this division. So uh, I'd love to see the Bengals go fight for it. No, you're right, and I think they they have a, a fair shot to to fight for it. Um, you want to talk about a game? So uh, let's go ahead and go to a game that I'm sure a lot of people would rather me not bring up uh, certain moments of, but uh, in their history. But let's talk about the Saints and the Vikings. They are going to be playing each other this coming Sunday. Uh, we decided to call it our game of the week because they are. Uh, both playoff teams today, and if the season were to, like I said, the, the Saints are winning their division, the Vikings are actually the last wild card team right now, Derek, uh, in the NFC, which they don't feel like they should be a wild card team. Uh, I know I bought into them a few weeks ago. You said I shouldn't. I still feel like I'm on a bit of a roller coaster with the Josh Dobbs experience, but I'm having fun. I'm in, in taking in the experience. And uh, of course, if you're curious what game I might be referring to in the past, uh, I was I was mentioning the Minneapolis miracle uh, that happened a few years ago when uh, Stefan Diggs got the touchdown late at the end of the game in the playoffs and uh, threw his helmet. And they were they, they got a win when they probably shouldn't have had a chance. Um, sorry, Saints fans. Uh, Derek, what is your matchup to watch as this is not 2018? This is the present day. Who are you looking at in this one? Okay, so we well, there was a lot of stories out this week of Josh Dobbs comes into the Vikings game last week, doesn't know the, uh, the players that he's uh, throwing the ball to, doesn't know the plays, um, a lot of stuff. And, you know, I think... 
through this week that he's going to be introducing himself to a lot of people. Hey, my name's Josh. I'm a rocket scientist. Um, you know, how? what's your name? Go ahead and turn around. Okay, your number. Yeah, I, I also think a lot of people are going to walk up to Josh and introduce themselves. And I think that Josh is going to get a really... Um, I mean, some people are handshake people. Some people, some people are fist pump people. I'm more of a hugger myself when I meet somebody. And I think someone else who's a hugger is Cam Jordan. Um, I think that uh, Cam Jordan is going to introduce himself to Josh Dobbs um, with a big old hug. Um, and it's going to be that matchup that uh, I'm going to be watching. Cam Jordan, defensive end for the Saints versus this uh, scrappy quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings that comes in and, uh, you know, is going to get his first week of practice. Uh, it's going to be great. And, you know, hopefully he'll know the plays and stuff like that. Josh Dobbs is a known runner. Um, so you got to keep him in the pocket. You've got to make him beat you with his arm. And, you know, there's a good chance that he could do that. But he makes a lot of, of really good plays outside the pocket, running up and down the field. So, defensive ends first job is to keep him contained and funnel him back to where the strength is. And so if Cam Jordan can do it, you know, there's a good chance that the saints win. Um, if Josh Dobbs gets the, uh, the upper hand, then uh, they're going to have to hug after the game. Who knows? That, that's very possible. Very possible. I like where you're coming from here, Derek. Well, I've got to give a shout out of course, to, Daniil Hunter, and he is one of my men in the matchup to watch this week as he is fierce. He does not mess around, and he has the current NFL lead in sacks this season as he is the only person who has arrived in the double-digit range with 10. That's right, Derek. I don't know if you realize that in amongst the crazy sack race that's going down this year, but Daniil Hunter... 10 sacks, one of the best players on this Vikings defense. Brian Flores is letting them go after the quarterback, and especially with how much they are blitzing, he's able to get a little bit more one-on-one matchups and just wreak a little bit more havoc, which I think is fun. Um, You know, last year he only ended up with 10.5 sacks all year. Already having 10 through week nine is very impressive. And what is not very impressive is what's been going on in the Saints offensive line. It's typically been a strength of theirs for years after years after years. It's not looking so hot right now. Uh, When you look at their depth chart, uh, they had lost some of their players due to injury. And right now they have a guard in Andrews Pete, who they've kicked out to tackle that should be on the side. Daniel Hunter is rushing the most. Um, Let's just say I don't think that the hunter is going to become the hunted in this situation. I think that Daniil Hunter is looking to feast. He is looking to uh, sack some saints. He's going to try to go back there and get uh, some tackles for loss on Kamara and potentially uh, Jamal Williams in the backfield. Got to catch Jamal. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll see exactly how it goes. But I do think that Daniil Hunter fantastic player underrated player in the league uh and i don't know if it's because he's been in minnesota all of his career or what it is but 
I felt like he needed to get a, a full shout out here as he's been doing this since 2015 and he's on a one-year deal with Minnesota right now. I think that he's about to uh, go make some bank next season as pass rushers are a premium in today's NFL. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, that's a, a really good point. I like Hunter. Hunter's a, a really good player, and I think uh, underrated. Uh, not uh, not the household name that uh, that he should be. And uh, we at Brody Sports Talk are going to put the good name uh, out there, and uh, I think we're we're, we're going to try to get him paid. How about that? Get Daniil paid. Also, I do have to say that. If you're like me, every time I've looked at his name and it said it's typed out, I feel like it's supposed to be Danielle Hunter. It is Daniel Hunter. Just make sure if you are trying to say it, it is not Danielle, but it does. It is written out the same way. Daniel Hunter. Danero for Daniel. We need to get him paid. Danero. De- yes, Danero for Daniel. I like it. Derek. Yeah. There we go. I'm glad you made the the the, the it, it better because I couldn't say the words. Uh, so we uh, speaking of money that we definitely don't bet or uh, win anything on. Let's move over to our Brody bets segment. Uh, so last week, as we normally do, uh, Caleb went three and two. I went three and one because my Broncos were on a bye. I probably would have won that Broncos game to get me to three and two. But uh, yeah, I, I, for some reason, I need, just need to go against my better judgment. Um, but I'm never going to pick against uh, what I think it's going to be. Also, uh, Purdue, why? That was very mean. We'll talk about that here in a second. So last week, I had uh, my Oklahoma State Cowboys plus five and a half. As I said on the podcast, without any kind of reservation, except in the fine print, OSU was going to win Bedlam outright. Uh, Oklahoma State had a three-point win, uh, 27-24, over those pesky uh, OU Sooners. And, uh, you know, drink those, uh, those Sooner tears as uh as i talk last uh last week the broncos were on a bye like i said um to my favorite uh we always take someone has to take michigan so this week's michigan game uh minus 35 and a half versus purdue uh michigan 41 purdue 13 with that's a 28 point uh margin uh purdue scored with less than 30 seconds left in the game to make it a 28-point game, I really do think that uh, there was something going on with Vegas on that one because, yeah, cool, you can, I guess you can continue to throw the ball and all that kind of stuff and move it down the field, but you're not going to win the game if you all of a sudden score. So uh, really bad beat with like 30, 25 to 30 seconds left in the game. Uh, my underdog, which I had, is Cal plus 24 versus Oregon. Uh, Oregon put up 63 to Cal's 19. Oregon won by 44, so I did not win that one. And then my wild card. I had the Panthers plus 2.5, and, and the Panthers are 
completely wild in my wild card, but they lost by 14. So I did not uh, make that one. Caleb um, with his Cornhuskers um, versus Michigan State, the Michigan State uh, Sparties won by three, 20 to 17. Uh, with his Packers, he had the Rams plus three. Uh, Packers won by 17. So, uh, you know, don't, uh, I mean, you're the owner of the team, Caleb. I don't understand why you uh, pick against them. I think in general it was a, I have kept picking them and they kept losing. So maybe uh, this is the way to go. Maybe if, uh, I, if they go, oh, the owner's picking against us. Uh, let's get some revenge on that guy. Uh, Maybe that's how it works. We'll have to see. That's true. Um, everyone's favorite story, James Madison, minus five and a half at Georgia State, um, 42 to 14. Uh, JMU won that. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, Caleb, but uh, James Madison has requested uh, the NCAA with a formal letter. Uh, please allow us in the postseason um, please, uh, you know, change your rules for us as uh, we're undefeated and we're going to be undefeated and uh, we deserve to be in the in a bowl game. Uh, no word yet from the NCAA, uh, but uh, I think they deserve it. I think that the NCAA will make a determination in March of 2024. Oh, big, uh, big plays there. Uh, his underdog was the Dolphins plus two and a half versus the uh, the Chiefs. Dolphins uh, lost by seven, and his winner, the the easiest pick in the history of picks, his wild card, Iowa and Northwestern under thirty one. Uh, the game was Iowa ten, Northwestern seven, which is a grand total of seventeen points scored in the game. I wonder if we're going to get a an under of 25 soon. Like Vegas has to like start figuring out like getting the the, the 24 range with this uh Iowa team. I think Derek as I was looking at what it was for this coming week cuz I thought about it again. Uh they're hosting Rutgers and it's 28 and a half. Mm-hmm. Not quite, not quite all the way down that you want. So it's still a safe play this week. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, um, but let's go ahead and hop on this week's picks. So I will jump off with my college team. We have the Gundy Grinders at uh, minus two at uh, University of Central Florida. Uh, so they're getting a trip down to Orlando, and I think that uh, Oklahoma State's going to take care of business. I think they're going to run all over the uh, the the Knights, and uh, they're going to put as much as they can on Ollie Gordon's shoulders to get him to New York, to get him at least an invitation down there. Um, but I, uh, I definitely think that Oklahoma State's going to win that game by more than two points. Uh, Caleb, tell me about your college pick. So we all know that I'm a Nebraska fan. I I took them to to cover last week against Michigan State. Uh, too many fumbles once again. 
some really bad refereeing as well. But I'm going to go ahead and take them plus two and a half against Maryland. Yes, Maryland does have on their roster a Tagovailoa. I'm yeah. not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm going up against uh, Talia Tagovailoa this week as I do think that it is the right move. I think Nebraska is going to go ahead and cover the two and a half that they are expected to lose by. And uh, Derek, I don't know if you know this, but this one is a Peacock exclusive. So uh, I uh, might go ahead and sign in there and watch a game that uh, probably I will be one of like five people watching because people are not used to finding things on streaming yet. But uh, hey, it's part of the money that the Big Ten is getting as part of this new deal. Don't be surprised to see as the Big Ten goes to about 40 teams in the next five years that they'll have more games on streaming services. So uh, Mer- uh, give me the Huskers plus two and a half against Maryland. And uh, Derek, let's just go ahead and put it out there. The Huskers will win outright. That's true. I uh, I believe in them as well. I th- is, is that... Does Tua have more than one brother? I know that he his one of his brothers that is um, is a Maryland uh, one that you were talking about. Um, I'm not sure. Let me research. Because Tua has a commercial out for one of those protein milk things, and one of his brothers is in the commercial with him. So I have to believe that it's probably. Um, this Maryland quarterback because like that would be like an NIL deal or something like that. So I, I think, I mean, it has to be uh, unless he has like a high school cause they're, they're playing like football and, and all that kind of or throwing the ball around. That makes the most sense when I'm looking at this. Um, it does list him as a younger brother. Apparently some of his cousins have played football, but oh. uh, Talia is definitely going to be the most famous of to his brothers. Um, I mean, he's the MVP of the 2021 pinstripe bowl. I don't know how you don't remember that. Well, I do remember that. I just didn't know if it was the same guy in the commercial. Oh, my, my apologies then. I, yeah, I, I have not researched this commercial, but I'm going to say that we are correct. Yeah, probably. We're, we're probably right about that. Uh, so let's talk about, uh, you know, guys that completely, uh, that Tua, destroyed and that's the uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh so the the Broncos are at the Bills. They're headed to the only New York team. Um you know, cuz the uh, the Jets and the Giants play in New Jersey. Uh they're headed up to the only New York team at the Bills. Uh the over under for the game is 46 and a half. Uh the Broncos um are a seven and a half point underdog. I'm taking the Broncos. They showed me good things last week. Uh, well, I'm sorry, not last week, the week before when they were up against the uh, the Chiefs. But they also didn't lose the last week So, like, because they were on a bye. So I'm going to go ahead and take them. They're rested. They have a good game plan. And the Bills worry me. They, uh, they really, really do. Um, if they lose this... Uh, if the Bills lose this game or even keep it close versus the Broncos, um, we're going to have some serious conversations about what's wrong with the Bills moving forward. Uh, Derek, are you watching that one with all your rowdy friends? Uh, probably, yeah. No, I, the, both of them, both rowdy friends are uh, uh, okay. 
yeah. having a Monday night party at Derek's Correct. Uh, to, to watch the, the Broncos Bills game. Um, it's interesting to me. Normally, I would say, but the Bills play better at home. Well, their last two home games were their 14 to 9 win over the Patriots, and then they beat the Bucks 24 to 18. And they didn't look super sharp in either of those. Uh, so I, I think that if, if you're not raising a, a red flag, you're raising a, a question mark flag about the bills right now. So I, I like your pick. Um, as far as the Packers are concerned, they are a three point underdog on the road to, uh, the team like you said, just keeps finding ways to win with Mike Tomlin, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and, uh, the over under on that game is 39 and a half. And what I said was, uh, give me two teams that I think know how to play defense. I'll go with the under 39 and a half. Would I love for the Packers to go out there and get the win? Absolutely. Do I think that in general, we always play the Steelers a bit close? Yes, we do. Sometimes I think that we might make uh, Najee Harris and a former Oklahoma state cowboy uh, Jalen Warren look like geniuses as they run the football against us because uh, we do give up a lot in the running game, but I'm just, I'm curious. I think that it's going to be ball possession, p- moving the ball down the field methodically. And uh, I'm curious to see if uh, George Pickens actually gets more catches this week or if he uh, gets over himself because he's throwing tantrums. Now, I, I like this game. I like your uh, underpick on that. As I, uh, I don't know what Matt Canada is doing on offense for the Steelers, and I'm really hoping that the uh, the Packers get back on a winning uh, the on, on their winning ways. And I, I, I still have faith and love. Um, I, I'm giving love a chance. Gotta give love a chance, man. You really do. Uh, so let's get into some of our favorites and underdogs here. Um, we talked about them earlier, but my favorite this week is the Baltimore Ravens uh, at home versus the Browns. They are a six-point favorite. I'm jumping all over this. Um, it might be a lower-scoring game, but I still think the Ravens are going to be a touchdown winner on this, probably you know, 21-14, something like that. Um, I, I think it's going to be a pretty easy, uh, pretty easy win for the Ravens. Caleb, where are you going with your favorite? Um, my favorite is the Dallas Cowboys in a get right game. Do I love the spread? Not too much, but it is the Cowboys minus 16 and a half as they take on Tommy DeVito and the New York football giants as, uh, Daniel Jones was known for, uh, tearing his ACL actually now. And yeah, uh, the Cowboys beat the Giants 40 to nothing in New York earlier this year when they were the Giants were healthy. Uh, now the Giants are not healthy and they don't have uh, Leonard Williams because they traded him to Seattle. <laughs> so uh, give me the Cowboys to win this one uh, as I don't know if it'll be another shutout, but I think that the Cowboys are going to they're going to thrash the Giants in this game as, I mean, let's face it, the Giants only scored six against the Raiders, which is uh, what we call not good, Derek. 
yeah, not good at all. Um, I'm hoping that uh, that that quarterback depth that you talked about earlier, um, you know, the Giants do something about it. Uh, I don't think Danny DeVito is uh, the the quarterback for the Giants. Um, I, I think that he can't see over the offensive line, um, and Rio Rio Perman isn't on the uh, over there to catch the ball. So, uh, oh, is it not? It's not Danny DeVito. Okay, I'm wrong. It might I, as well uh, be. I think that yeah. the odds are just as good for Danny DeVito. Maybe they would see him and not want to tackle him, um, but I, I don't have good feelings about. Tommy DeVito on this team. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about an underdog. So for me, um, Kyler Murray should be coming back as a starting quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals this week. Um, The Cardinals are a two point underdog versus Atlanta. And after the last couple of weeks, I don't trust Atlanta anymore. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know um, what the, what their game plan is anymore. Um, I think that, I mean, I like the change Taylor Heineke, but uh, cause I think that would be a stabilizing force, but it doesn't seem that uh, <laughs> the defense is there on that side. So, you know, give me the cards plus two um, being in Arizona. I mean, it's uh it's going to be a loud game for, uh, for the Cardinals with Kyler coming back um, really to see, Hey, is this, uh, is this what we thought it was? Um, and whether or not the Cardinals move on after, uh, after this year, where, uh, where are you headed with your underdog? Are you giving them a, a Scooby snack? I, I might, I will say that uh, Derek, I know that the Falcons defensive coordinator, his name's Ryan Nielsen. Mm-hmm. And if you look him up, you he might look like someone who should be a, a like a, a villain in a movie. Like <laughs> he just has that like facial hair with his mustache and whatnot that makes you go, huh, this guy totally looks like he should be trying to plan a heist or something like that. Uh, and maybe that's what he's doing. And that's why the defense is so bad. Um, my underdog this week, I am going up the Atlantic coast and I'm going to Boston college as I would think the Eagles have been playing really well lately. I'm taking the Boston college Eagles plus one and a half as they host the Virginia tech Hokies, uh, crazy ACC action on my docket this week. Crazy, crazy. Um, you know, I miss the days of Boston, uh, of, of Boston College being in my news all the time um, with, uh, yeah, I think they've kind of fallen off the last couple of years. Um, you know, let's talk about the wild cards uh, that we have here. And this is always a, a fun, uh, you know, because you just okay, where are we, what, what is the craziest game that I can find and what's the craziest thing that I can do? Uh, for me, that's going to be Raiders and the Jets. Uh, this game, I don't know who's going to score the ball. I really like uh, Antonio Pierce as the new interim coach of the, of the Raiders, and I hate saying nice things about the Raiders, but they honestly could be on a, uh, on a track 
moving towards something. The Raiders could score 24 points in this game. The uh, the Jets probably going to score six. So I'll be clearly under uh, on this one. So under 36 and a half for Raiders and the Jets. I like it, Derek. Uh, you're going under. I'll go over. I'm going to go over a big number, a wildly big number. And uh, I don't think there's going to be an interim defensive coordinator bump. So I'm going to go ahead and take uh, the USC Oregon over of 73 and a half as they might be there by halftime. Oregon knows how to score. USC knows how to score. Uh, the USC Washington game was 51 41 last week, which is 92 points. Uh, I think that this one could be very similar as far as the final result. So over 73 and a half for the ducks versus the Trojans uh, go ducks. Yeah, I think I, I I would probably move this. I would probably take this all the way 85 or 90. I really think this is going to be a high scoring game. Um, I don't think USC can can stop anything. Um, and, you know, just last week, Oregon put up at 63, I think. So, yeah, they put up 63 on Cal. So, you know, 73 is absolutely nothing, I think. It's definitely in the realm of possible. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you're giving me a chance. That's what I feel like taking this time. Yeah, I uh, I think we got a good one there. And uh, that is all that we have for this wonderful episode of Brody Sports Talk. Uh, if you enjoyed us, please make sure that you give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can always interact with us on Twitter, uh, which is also known as X. Uh, our handle on there is at Brody Talk. On behalf of my co-host, Derek, my name is Caleb Walgren. Thank you for listening, and y'all have a great day. Bye. Bye, guys.